Okay, so we're going to start a new few uh, recordings on the topic of Toen Venitan, the laws of um, plaintiff and defendant. So actually it's fitting with the, the Perkech and Rambam cycle where they're learning right now. Um, and also, it's, it's, you know, we'll share some, of course, halachas as they're found in the poskim. So firstly, we'll start off with the... A uh, you know we've discussed in the past that there are uh, there is the idea of making an oath sometimes to swear to uh, sometimes someone says I'm swearing I'm going to do this or I'm swear that this is true. Well, sometimes there is a mitzvah from the Torah if it's in a betin to make the oath, and we've discussed that it's not always um, you know really done altogether. And it's not a, a good thing because of the potential problem of not being honest and making something wrong. And we said that in general we avoid taking oaths unless dire situations where there might be some, you know, room for exceptions to the rule. And even then there are sometimes other ways how we go around it. But I will say that in the Tanya from the Alter Rebbe, Herak Hay, he mentions that, you know, the, the importance of learning Torah, is, as it's you know, in that parak of, the fifth parak of Tanya, talks about the importance of learning the whole Torah and, and knowing halachas, and that you need to know, he, he gives the example, if Ruvain claims so-and-so, and Shimon claims back so-and-so, that we know what the law will be, or, you know, if they make an oath or not, so this is all the will of Hashem, this is all the Hashem's uh, wisdom, Hashem's Torah, and therefore, just dis- discussing it is, of course, a great thing. Okay, so the rule is, is that, as the Rambam says in the first chapter of Hilchus Toh and Vinitan, um, that there are three types of biblical oaths. There are only three scenarios in which the Torah says that the per- person in a, in a dispute could swear over. One is the case of where someone partially admits and, of course, partially denies. That's called in Hebrew, Moda Vimixis. It's learned out from uh, Parsis Mishpatim. Um, and it says, "Asher yomar ki when the person who's claiming this is uh, this is what I owe you, you know, and not more, etc. So then the Torah over there goes on to say they make a make, he make an oath, right? There's another case in which you have one witness who defies the word of the defendant. So let's say the defendant says, "I don't, uh, I don't owe anything, or, I, or whatever it is, I owe, I don't owe." Um, but he says, "I don't owe anything." And comes along a witness, and he says, yes, you do. So normally we need two kosher witnesses to obligate someone to pay. However, the Torah says clearly that one witness was enough to make a person take an oath. And then the third scenario of where we um, have a Torah oath is by Shavuot HaShamrim, the oath by, uh, by a watchman. Let's say a guy was watching something, and then it was uh, he was a shepherd, and the thing was stolen uh, the wool faded or so, whatever it may be, and he wasn't obligated to, you know, go beyond what he uh, needed to do, and it was uh, taken or stolen, whatever, and he would be exempt if he is making an oath that he did his job and that it was, you know, killed or t- stolen by armed robbers or something, so he has to take an oath. So those are the three oaths, uh, motive and mixes, partial admittance, one witness obligated to, and then, of course, the shvua um, of the, the guards. Other cases, however, could require a rabbinical oath. Within rabbinical oaths, 
And this is basically laid out in the Rambam's first parag very clearly, and also what we're saying in different sources, in Gemara and the like. But uh, there's also what's called Shvuas Ha Midivreya. There's a rabbinical oath, which could be, uh, for example, someone was injured and he's swearing on how much the damage was, or someone's, something was stolen from him, a partnership. So over there, there could be what's called a rabbinical oath. They're not part of the three that the, the Torah has. And then you have another t- category, which is called Shuas Hesis, a oath which is placed only in the times of, uh, you know, the rabbis placed it, and it's only uh, from the times of the um, Gemara and onwards. So there's, uh, if it will be Shuas Hesis, uh, generally it's not, um, it's, it's, it's only rabbinical. I'm, I'm sorry, there's no, there's no holding of a Torah in that case, whereas the first two you do. Um, okay. The laws of taking oaths and who it would go upon and under what circumstances are very long and in, in, in a lot of lot beyond the scope of the recordings that I'm trying to intend to give over. But I'd like to share an interesting halacha. So, one of the rules of taking uh, making a claim is that you need to be very clear what your claim is. You need to be able to not say I think you owe me. Uh, maybe you owe me, I think I heard from someone. You have to have clear evidence. In fact, one of the first things, if it goes to a basin, one of the responsibilities that the basin has is to clarify the matter on both sides. What is the litigant, what, what is the plaintiff demanding? What does he say he's owed? Why is he owed? From what is he owed from? And the defendant also, if he's saying, I don't owe you, why does he not owe? Is it because he had forgiven him? Was it because he gave it to him as a gift, etc.? When we go to the plaintiff, we say, well, does he owe you because, because he promised to give you something? Does he owe you because he damaged you? Does he owe you because it's ribis, forbidden interest? Is it because of this? And that's what the basis is. Borrowed May make sure that both sides clarify their sides because quite often people can run into misunderstandings between both sides and there was no real dispute between them in, in, if we could just clarify the matter. In fact, we learned it really from Shlomo HaMelech when he brought the famous, uh, famous story of where you know, two women had claimed that the baby that was alive was theirs and the one that died was the other one. So Shlomo had repeated the claims of each one. He says, this one is claiming this is my living child and this one's claiming this is my living child. So you see that there is a responsibility, and this is already in Hilchus Dayanim, there is a responsibility that the judge has to clarify both sides, what they are holding, make sure they understand what he's saying, and again, make sure that the plaintiff and the defendant can articulate and understand exactly what they argue about. Now, what happens when a person does not have an absolute clear-cut claim? They have a doubtful claim. Can we ever make a, a, a case based on that? Now, you can't make someone take an oath if you're not sure if they even owe you. So, that is the, that is the halacha. But I will share with you a very interesting thing. So, so the halacha in the Shulchan Aruch, we go to chapter 75, Sif Yud Zayin, it says, if you make a taina suffolk, we cannot require the other side, meaning a doubtful claim you have on them, um, that you owe me money, seems to me you owe me money, what? the guy doesn't, the other side, the defendant won't even need to swear. He won't even need to do a spiritual, uh, heavenly, uh, moral obligation type of thing to swear to deny it. He doesn't need to do anything. He's off the hook. Okay? 
as long as he says, no, I don't owe you. He doesn't need to swear to back his words. Again, taking an oath is not a small thing, and therefore it's almost like we're, we're giving credence to the side who is requiring the other side to take an oath. And when they only have a doubtful claim, there's no reason for us to even uh, you know, consider their words, and we will not require the defendant to take an oath. However, this is very important. The Ramah says, Yesh Oimrim, he says that we can sometimes require a shvotasis, a rabbinically imposed oath, um, on a taina of a shema, on a, on a doubtful claim. He says, when there is uh, feet to the matter. In other words, when there is circumstantial evidence or some sort of, not, not real evidence, but some sort of plausible reason to assume that the, the, the doubtful claim has some substance to it. There's no way to prove it, but it, it makes sense that the claim could make some sense. And therefore, in those cases, it's some say the, the Ramah, in chapter 75, says, some say that you could, the basin could put an oath on him. Um, and the example would be that if, let's say you found somebody, and this is what it brings, a person sees somebody who was in his house or near a box of his, and the box was broken open, and now there's no money in there, or, you know, and he says, well, you were right next to the box. Uh, who, who, who could have stole it if not for you? I guess I didn't do it, I didn't do it, you know. So in that case, where there is a real concern that he probably might have stolen it, so we would make him take a rabbinical oath, Shuas Hesis, um, and, and that's what the Ramah says is the right thing to do. There are poskim, like the Shach, who uh, not necessarily agree in all regards to those details, um, but uh, he, he, he might even agree, say you don't allow him to take an oath on it, but... It's interesting, I'm going to bring something from the Pischei Tshuva. So in the Pischei Tshuva on the place, oh, just one quick thing before that, there's the Nesibis, one of the famous commentators on the Shulchan Aruch. So he says, he says that, we'll give you another example. Um, let's say you, you drop, money fell out of your pocket or something, and, and, and now it's not on the floor, and there was only one person nearby, and it was this person, and you think it must have been them that picked up, so you want them to take a, a rabbinical oath, that they didn't uh, take it. So it says it's very plausible to assume, yes, you could maybe have the base to impose an oath on him. Now, another thing, here we have the Pischei Tshuva. Pischei Tshuva says there is the, a scenario in which maybe um, we could make an oath on a person, for example, you know, based on what the Ramah was talking about, and he brings an interesting Gemara. He says there's a Gemara in, in Bava Metziah on Dav Chavdalet on, on page 24a. There's a story over there with someone named Marzutra Chasida. Marzutra Chasida, he, he had some uh, guest house, and in his guest house there was a silver cup, and it was stolen. And he had, he didn't know who stole it, so he was looking and he sees one of his guests, after washing his hands, dried his hands on the coat of someone else. So he immediately... He immediately assumed that it must be that the person who doesn't care about someone's property, that he washed his hands on his, dried his hands on the guy's cloak, must have been the guy who stole the cup. And the Gemara there says that he, you know, basically like grabbed him and he admitted. So there's a, the Pesachet Tshuva brings the, the rush, the Rabbeinu Asher on this Gemara says, actually when it says kafte, it doesn't mean like, you know, some, it, it means he hit him. He gave him hits, so he hit him until he admitted. So, 
so the, so therefore the Pesach Shuva says that we find and in all the Gemara's as well that sometimes you could maybe threaten a person uh, to maybe put, give them over to authorities or so if they won't admit um, or if they won't take an oath or something uh, on some accusation that was probable and just against them although we don't have the clear cut evidence and therefore in the Pesach Shuva he brings that let's say there was some sort of worker who, yeah, might have stolen something and it makes sense to us and it's, it's plausible, we could maybe potentially threaten to give them over to the authorities or maybe, you know, you know, etc. if they're not going to, if they're not going to swear or if they won't admit. And he says, of course, you can't just use this to, to intimidate a person to admit they did some crime they didn't do. But when there is very logical, justified explanation to assume so, sometimes you could give some sort of uh, slight threat to them. Okay, so we'll, uh, we'll finish here for today, and we'll continue in this, this series of um, Halachas and Toan Vinitin in the next recordings.